Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, my friends. We will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcast for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. 
I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? I hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Lisa Dahl, who is an intuitive eating and body image health coach. Lisa, my friend, how are you? What is happening in your world today? Um, I am awesome, and I am in the Northeast. We are in a heat wave, and I love the heat, so it is, I wait all year for these days. So I am a I, happy camper. I get that. That's exactly why I went and lived in the uh, South America, and I've lived in the South Pacific, and it's like the hotter I can be, the better. But some people don't like it, so yep. let's, not tr let's not trigger everybody before we get started. <laughs> And instead, I, I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, I, th I think it's a really important conversation, especially in mental health, to talk about body image, to talk about the way that we eat. And, you know, it is a conversation that people have had before, but I think you and I are going to go way deeper today. So I'm very much looking forward to it. For those who do not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got to where you are today. So my background started when I was in elementary school. And I remember being in third grade and I was in gym class, Mr. Lazarus. And he pulled me aside and he said, you know, I think you need to go to special gym. You're having trouble walking on the balance beam. And what that did was that it started to set me up of being picked last for every team sport, every school activity. And it was meant with love and kindness, trying to quote unquote, help me. It took me into a different place. And I avoided sports for years and anything physical because I just felt so inadequate. Mm. Then it was compounded when I was in high school. I was a freshman and it was, um, we were being weighed and measured by the school nurse and all the kids were lined up and we were told a week ahead of time. So I kept thinking about it and thinking about it, skipping breakfast, hoping that, you know, my skipped breakfast would give me a better number on the scale. And looking at the sea of girls who all appear to be in smaller, thinner, better bodies. And from there, I was introduced um, not by my parents, but my own thought process and started my long 40 plus year diet history. I was on Weight Watchers on and off for most of my life, um, always being uncomfortable in my skin unless I was at the low part of my diet cycle. And... I have loved food. I am a former caterer, so I was great at preparing food and offering it as a place of connection and community with a lot of rules. I lived with the good food, the bad food, and I always thought it was normal. It never seemed that it was, quote unquote, 
unhealthy because everyone around me was doing all of these same things. And when I left catering um, six and a half years ago, I was going to be the weight loss coach because I knew so much about nutrition from my dieting days and I could restrict and deprive better than most people I knew. I was able to do the diet longer than most people. And I took great pride in that. Like that was something like that was an accomplishment. And what I discovered as I started to work with my clients and sit across from them and it was, you know, share your progress day. And I could just feel their stress and it made me start to really look in and notice my stress and the guilt and the shame. And when I was, you know, loving my number, I would be weighing myself multiple times a day. And when I didn't, it was the fear of getting on the scale and the punishment of, you know, today's going to be a better day. So I started to naturally take weight loss off of the table. And then I came across a book called Health at Every Size. Because of my love of learning and reading and knowing what else is out there, I discovered this book and it turned everything that I knew to be true upside down. That there is no truth in a thinner body being a better body. There is no truth in being having a thinner body to have a healthier body. And all of that stuff just blew me away. And what I discovered, all of these things that I was practicing and supporting were actually disordered eating patterns. And then from there, I discovered the community of intuitive eating. And at that point, I knew ethically and morally that I could never support another woman because that is primarily who I work with but I could never support another person to go on another diet. And it really gave me a path to healing my life personally, and it changed everything professionally with it. And now I am 100% weight inclusive, and I am known as the anti-diet coach. Yeah, I love that. And as you were saying that, I wrote a note here. It says food is food. And I think a lot of people fall into that that trap of good food versus bad food. And I mean, like for sure, like don't fucking eat McDonald's every day, but you know, there, there's something to be said about recognizing like food is meant to nourish you, to bring you health, to be medicine in a lot of case scenarios. And that's not what we're taught. No one is educated on food in schools. When you're young, you eat the most worst garbage possible through the school systems. And for a lot of people like myself growing up, being on WIC and food stamps in section eight, like I was like, give me whatever they got. I'm not complaining. But, but the problem with that is it was high dense carbohydrates that were not healthy. It was a lot of poisonous, you know, chemicals and byproducts and dyes and things like that. And so I actually, at like 10 years old, I was the chubby kid. Right. And I remember wearing boys husky clothes. Like we would go to the store. I wouldn't fit into the regular kids clothes and I also wouldn't fit into the adults clothes. And so we had that special section in Walmart, you know, with the little sign that says Husky on the side. I'm like, fuck. And so like, that's what I'm wearing. And at young, as young as 10 years old, I started doing dieting. Now at 10 years old, you have no idea what you're doing, but I was just like, I think this is healthy food or that is, and I would work out all the time, but nothing would change. And, and I think it just gets trapped and ingrained in us at such a young age. I don't, I don't have kids, so I don't know if they do the weight and height thing still, but I had the same experience as you on the polar opposite side of it being like, fuck, I'm going to be the fattest kid in class again. Right. And that just torturing me emotionally. And as years would go by, 
there's no question that I developed eating disorders because one, I wrestled, which is probably one of the worst things that people can do, right? Because we're on the scale every single day. Two, what that ends up turning into is that I go, all right, cool. I'm not wrestling anymore, so I'm just going to eat what I want. Now I'm 350 pounds, morbidly obese, and then looking at life through, oh my God, I'm the fat kid again, right? And now over time, I've learned to heal and step into that and so on and so forth. But one of the really interesting things that I often teach my clients, and this is where I'm going with you right now, I often teach my clients, even though we talk about childhood trauma and abuse, somehow that damn scale comes up in conversation with like 70% of my clients. And the thing that I try to teach them is throw it away. And so I'd, I'd love for you to kind of re rewind for us a little bit. Let's go back to your childhood experiences. Let's talk about what was happening with you. So here you are, young Lisa, getting ready to get on this scale for a week. You've been thinking about it. You're consumed by it. Like what is happening physically, mentally, and emotionally for you? Because this sets the precedent and foundation. And I think if people understand causation and correlation, they can start to create change. So let's rewind and let's talk about that. So I refer to that as, you know, where did your bags get packed and who helped pack you pack those bags? And I just remember standing in line, stressing and, and you know, being hyper-focused on that scale and it was traumatizing. I didn't know, you know, how to label it at that time, but it is one of those things in my life that I always go back to and I can still visually see what that looked like and thinking about, you know, somebody is going to, not only am I going to have to get on the scale in front of people, they're going to say this number out loud. And already, I mean, like I grew up with Weight Watchers, Miss America pageant and Snackwells and parents that are tall. My father is six foot two. My mother is five ten. My brother is six two. And I am five five. And I used to always say, well, if I could just gain a few more inches, I wouldn't have to think about this. So I was already through diet culture, our society, already in my mind, my body wasn't good enough. And we need to understand the where do those thoughts come from? Because they're just so not true. And our whole world is so focused on how we look on self-value and how do we start to change that script. If it's okay, I'd love to go back to what you shared in your story, because there are so many things that I would love to talk about if that would be okay. Let's do it. So, you know, first off is food insecurity. People don't understand that restriction and deprivation comes in different formats. And food insecurity is, you know, been imposed on you of restriction and deprivation. When your body is in fear of being fed, when there is food for you, that is where the binge cycle kicks back in because your body doesn't trust that there is going to be another meal coming. So it's the same thing when I'm working with people who are restricting and depriving our bodies, even though it's, you know, on that aspect, self-imposed, but our bodies don't understand that it is a diet, that it is not a famine. You lived in total fear of where is that next meal coming from? It didn't matter about the quality of food. Whatever was in front of you was what you were going to eat. Then you further went into the wrestling world. 
which is the live and die by the scale. So you were self-imposed in restriction deprivation, gotta hit, gotta hit that weight so that I can compete. Then when the season is over or in between matches, then you set yourself up for a binge cycle because once again, your body didn't trust you that there was going to be another meal coming. That is part of the bags that, pat, that you get packed for you as part of your, you know, your environment and the choices that you made. But we don't really think about that until we notice the ramifications so much later. Then we go into the world of husky. How do we shift the word husky to just be another adjective where in our world we say, well, thin is good and fat is bad. And all of a sudden we have that judgment. How do we also shift from, I'm, you know, there's no question that there's different nourishment in food. Not going to argue with that at all. How do we get away though from the moral value that we put on food, that food is neutral. Food does not have a moral value because when we label food good or bad, we automatically start to internalize, oh, you know, I was so bad. I had this donut. I was mm. so good. I had an apple today. And then we start to embody what that experience feels like. And it all starts to unravel because you can only contain that information before you are just so unhappy physically, mentally, and emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that's really interesting about the journey is that because we're not taught these things in childhood, we're not taught these things in our teens, we're not taught these things in college. If you go to college or whatever, it's not taught in the media. What you do see in the media though, is the next diet, right? I can name 3 million different diets, right? And I think a lot of us can all these different weight loss things, all this idea about looking at life through thin versus fat and being like, okay, this is my measure for validity in the world. This is how I should be seen, how I should be judged. And, and as long as I fall within this parameter, it's like, that's how I'm going to have self-assuredness and confidence and love and other people's admiration. And then if you're lucky, you realize like that's stupid and that actually doesn't make sense. But I think that there's this interesting space and time of not necessarily, not only not acknowledging it, but I think that one of the really disturbing aspects of weight on either side, body dysmorphia and disordered eating is people will default to, oh, this is in my DNA. This is in my genes. This is my body because of my family, my parents, my lineage. And I have found, and this is just for myself personally, that that's not true. Because like I look at my lifestyle at 350 versus today and I'm like 220, I'm healthy. I work out, I eat good food, right? I don't consume a lot of the processed garbage. Now, a lot of that came through education, right? And thank God there are people like you who are educating us now. And, but it ultimately comes to like, you have to seek it. But before seeking it, I think that there's this place where you're just kind of in it, right? And so when you're, this is fascinating to me, when you're a caterer and you're in this world, like what is happening in your life? Because my thought goes to, we go to the thing that often tortures us to bring us a feeling of calm. It's, it's an interesting question. And having gone through the experience of becoming a health and wellness coach and shifting from weight loss to an intuitive eating coach where weight loss is off of the table, 
I see, like I was known as the, um, like I was a boutique caterer and people would say, you know, well, nobody really eats at these events. And I could say, you know, well, you didn't have the quote unquote right food because that was the language that I knew then. And I created really beautiful, nourishing food that was also served with gourmet, delicious, amazing desserts. And, you know, this was a party that was filled with quote unquote guilty pleasures, but a lot of health mixed in. Mm -hmm. And when we are talking though about, you know, how we learn, you know, the genetics and all of those things that you just talked about, they are part of your story. We cannot discredit that. So you have a shoe size, a man's shoe size of 10. You cannot change that. There are certain things about our genetics and our food insecurity and depression and anxiety and all of those things that we are part of and our family surroundings. We cannot change those things. What we can change are our daily actions and behaviors. So when I'm working with my clients, I take weight loss off of the table. I call weight loss the destination. We don't focus on the destination. We focus on the journey and the adventure, the actions and the behaviors that we can make choices about on a daily basis or in real time. So that if I have a client who is making choices that's starting to make her feel better and she's finding movement that she enjoys, if she then lands on the scale and says, oh no, like I didn't lose weight this week, then all of this thing was a waste. We take that destination off so that we focus on the present. How are you feeling in your body now? How are you connecting? Because you can feel good. You can be healthy. You can be confident in a healthy body at every size. So we take that stigma off of the table because how, you know, like I came from, because I restricted and deprived so many years, my intuitive journey is that I have gained weight because I, you know, I don't even know how, I mean, I do know, but I don't ever share calories or what that looked like. If somebody is on a binge cycle and we all say emotional eating is this horrible thing, it's actually not a horrible thing. The binge is telling you that something is going on. Like, how do we unpack what's going on emotionally and mentally so that if you didn't have that skill to go to food to make you feel better, could you imagine how much harder whatever you're going through was hard enough and you didn't have any resources? So we work to create additional tools in the toolbox so that food is, you can have cookies because they might make you feel better. And how else can we build that toolbox so that you just don't have one thing to go to? so that you have a choice of, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. I've learned this can help me work through it or process it. Or here's a skill that I've learned to be able to sit with it and know that as you know, I feel the impact of whatever is hitting me, I've also learned with tools how to let that, that stress or that anxiety, boredom, loneliness, whatever it is that you are experiencing, how do we begin to understand that that too will pass and we have other tools other than the cookie box? That it is not, no, you can't have them. It is how, you know, if they're not working, how do we find something else that, or other tools to support you? Yeah. And, and it's amazing to me, like in the pause, 
like P-A-U-S-E, like in the pause of those moments between, like I look at it like being on the edge of a cliff, right? I'm like, all right, this thing that I really want, I'm going to have to dive off this cliff to get because I know that there's like a potential ramification on the other side. And I'm like, okay, if I can delay the instantaneous pleasure, the need of the thing that I think is actually going to be satiating, but in reality, I know it's not because my brain's craving dopamine in the moment. What I do is I just stand on the edge and I look down, I go, that's a long fall down there, right? And that keeps me from the binge. Now that's trained. That's a tool. That's something I've learned years and years and years of doing this work and getting healthy and, and just recognizing like, I, I've really convinced my brain there is no good food. There is no bad food. There is just food and the way I feel about it when I am consuming it and understanding what it feels like on the backside. Because I promise you, there are days I'm having gummy bears. There are days I'm having pizza. But that's on the occasion. That's not every day like it used to be. And that just takes work. But I, I'm, I'm again, I'm going to rewind with this for a second because I really, really want to tie into something here. People seem... I'll, I'll use myself as a preference, as a reference. I used to believe that the reason that I needed to be on diets was because my body didn't like certain foods. And I came to discover like that wasn't true. I just didn't understand input output. So I'm curious if for you and your journey and now like flipping the script on this, your reality was different than my reality. Like we're on the different side of the scale for lack of a better way to phrase it. And yep. so as you're looking at, okay, I'm restrictive. I'm in this disordered phase that what was the lead up to that book coming into your life? What was it? health at every size? What was the lead up to that? Were you cognizant that something was wrong? And if so, what are those telltale signs and what became the indicators for you? We'll be right back to today's show. But first, I need to ask you a question. Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling like you don't have the support to go to the next level in your healing journey? Are you feeling like you wish you had a little bit more support from not only myself, but the Unbroken Nation? Well, my friend, I want to invite you to come and join our live weekly coaching sessions in Think Unbroken. All you have to do is go to keys, K-E-Y-S, keys.thinkunbroken.com to sign up and join us today with 100% money back, no questions asked, guaranteed and no contract or commitment every week for the next year, you can come and be a part of our live coaching sessions each Monday as we dive deep into not only answering your questions, but questions from the Unbroken Nation and help you take all of the information that you learn in the podcast, in the courses, and other areas of this journey, bring them into your life and use it in a way that is practical, life-changing, and transformative. So my friend, join us at keys.thinkunbroken.com and we will see you this Monday. So. You know, and I have been on both sides of that scale. Like, even though I could, you know, diet and restrict and binge, there was absolutely that typical roller coaster of, of, of going on that other side. Mm. And it really, what really was the precipice is that I just always, having shifted careers later in life, it was part of me is always needing to learn, always knowing that there's something else out there. And because of that, somebody had shared this book and I devoured it. Like all of a sudden, the, the diet rules, because we are taught that the diet knows best. So we have this diet that millions of people are following. 
And then we are told, we are told over and over and over again. So when you hear things over and over again, we believe them to be true. So often what happens is that people will say to me, well, I'm so out of control when I'm off of my diet. I, I don't know what to do. I feel awful because they're going from restriction to binge. So they don't understand that it's not about it may not be about that particular food. It may be about the quantity of food. It might be how they're using that food. What is their stress? What is their emotions? Because all of these things go into it. So when we are talking about um, that, you know, how does food make you feel? There's a concept, there's a principle in the practice of intuitive eating called giving yourself permission to eat food. When we don't have permission to eat food, what happens is that we go into that last supper type of mentality. And that last supper mentality is, I broke my diet. I'm going to eat all of these things, which could be an entire gallon of ice cream. It could be an entire bag of chocolate chip cookies. And I'm going to stop at 11.59 and 59 seconds because tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to go on my diet or it's New Year's Day or it's Monday, whatever it is. And then we think that these foods make us feel bad. When you learn to give yourself permission to have food, you go through a process called habituation where you have, you know, when you're not starving, when you're not stuffed, when you are present, let's say that it's ice cream. Nobody else is around. This is between you and your food. You're not hiding in the pantry. You're going to take out your ice cream. You're going to put it in your bowl. You're going to sit. You're going to be present with that food. And you're going to start to notice how do you feel while you're going through this eating experience. And you can eat as much as you want. So chances are you're going to eat the full thing for the first three, four, five days, maybe even the first week. When you know that you can have it tomorrow, all of a sudden you don't have to finish it. You don't have to be part of that clean plate club. It changes how you respond and how you respect your food and your body. So that if I have a handful of M&Ms, big deal. Like, it doesn't matter. If I eat the two pound bag, I'm going to feel awful. Noticing that process. How do you feel with your hunger? What do you notice as you shift? When do you hit full? When do you fit over full? When you go to over full, asking those questions, what am I feeling? What do I need? Is this food still serving me? Learning to have that pause, which you have learned to do so well. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you don't. With the practice of intuitive eating, you cannot fail it. It's not like a diet where you are on it or off of it. Every eating experience is an opportunity to learn and to see what you can discover about yourself. And some, we all make mistakes. No, there is no perfection in this world and certainly not with our relationship to food and body. Yeah, definitely. And watch the mic. You're bumping it with your hands, I think. All right. Thank um, you. No, no worries. Um, you know, in, in this, I'm wondering like, what was the, what was the mindset shift for you? What was actually happening in real time in your life personally, as you were starting to step into this new version of Lisa? It was really scary. It's exciting and freeing and really scary. And I'm very fortunate that my partner, who I've now been with for 11 years versus my ex-husband, who is very body conscious, and we would have lots of conversations or commentary about me not 
eating, always, you know, torturing a waitress, having a very challenging relationship on how much food I would eat or not eat and always creating special meals. And even to the fact where I, when I met his parents, they were concerned that I had an eating disorder and I kind of like blew it off. Like, how could that be? You know, I eat all these healthy, nutritious foods. And I was very fortunate that I had somebody and including my parents, like nobody, this was all in my head. I wasn't getting the judgment, but I was getting the positive reinforcement, which keeps you stuck in a disordered eating when somebody tells you, oh, you're so thin, you look so great. Well, you know, all this BS that has no value, but it makes you feel it's part of diet culture. You feel like you have thin privilege and all of a sudden you feel better than other people. And I had to really take notice of this is not true. This isn't like, how could I be thinking that I'm better than somebody because I have thin privilege? And all of those thoughts started to really come undone. And I started to, you know, it's scary to start to eat again and to start to eat in front of other people. It's one thing when you are dieting and you're known for the person who can restrict and deprive. Doesn't mean that I didn't go into the pantry and still eat. You know, I was always on the borderline of how much could I eat where you wouldn't notice the difference, but I would make sure that I was checking and balancing on that scale. And, you know, if it went up an ounce, I made sure that I shut my mouth that day. So I was very fortunate to have the support of my partner who always encouraged me to eat and to give me value that I was far more worthwhile than what my body looked like. And part of my challenge growing up is that I have a brother who is extraordinarily intellectual, competitive, and he was known, you know, he is a world-class doctor and it all, get, it all got wound up in, if I couldn't be this, if I couldn't have that same level of intellectual abilities, then at least I could do this really well. And it all started to unravel. Um, and my partner is an MIT PhD guy. I mean, he's brilliant. And to be seen as somebody who has a brain and a body and that it is a full person package and it is not about what I look like or the size of my thighs and all those things that I thought were so important started to unravel. It's powerful. And I, I think that a big part of that is like recognizing support systems, right? I, I wrote a note here. It says positive reinforcement can often lead to negative consequences. And I think like a lot of that just comes down to know thyself and being able to understand what you're getting from that information that's coming in and to really kind of separate yourself from it. And, and I think a big part of it for me has been able to sit and acknowledge and look at it and go, okay, is that true? Does that actually change my life? What is happening here? It, you know, and, and really this is where this idea about being intuitive comes into, right? I, I think about it, literally, I call it like know thyself eating because like I know myself and if I want to, I will consume everything and face the consequence of it just for the mouth pleasure. And so since I know that about myself, I go, okay, hold on, wait a second, dude. So as we get onto the other side of this, now you're in this process, there's always healing, right? Um, for me, a lot of it came in therapy. A lot of it came in reading. A lot of it came in at one point becoming a certified personal trainer, a nutritionist. And that was really about understanding because I had no idea because again, nobody fucking teaches us. And so that was for me about education first. So 
On the other side of this, now looking at the way you serve, the way that you help, if, if I'm listening and I'm not clear at this point, like what intuitive eating means, and I have these really negative experiences with my body, and that could be on the thin side or the muscular side or the heavy side, it doesn't really matter, but somehow people will give me positive reinforcement, but it just makes me feel more negative or re continue to step into those behaviors. I want to change. Like I know that what I'm doing to myself probably isn't the best. Where do I start? So I refer to it as my body peace and food freedom methodology, which takes into account the practice of intuitive eating, mindful eating, the perspective of health at every size, non-judgmental self-awareness and self-compassion. And one of the things that people are always referring to is, you know, like if they're talking about somebody who's in a larger body and they'll say, well, you know, they have no self-esteem. And yes, self-esteem has value. I'm more concerned about their ability to offer themselves self-compassion. Self-compassion is there every day. Self-esteem, you're either on the high end or the low end. So if you are struggling with your relationship to food and body, if you are seeing somebody who has a smaller body than you, your self-esteem is on the floor and you need to be scraped off with a spatula. If you see somebody who's in a larger body, all of a sudden your self-esteem is great and you feel better about yourself. When we look at self-compassion, it shifts everything that it's not a weakness to offer yourself kindness. How do you talk to yourself and knowing that everybody struggles as part of common humanity? So it's really important to distinguish between the two. When I start working with a client, we go through the principles of intuitive eating. And it is talking about recognizing where the diet culture, where your thoughts about dieting came in learning to connect your mind, your body with your food, learning to honor your hunger. As dieters, we want to ignore our hunger as long as we can. Think about it as learn, you know, learning your body. If you have to pee, you will go to every, you know, you full of that full sensation in your bladder and you know you have to pee and you will go to every, every end that you can to make sure that you have a proper place to relieve yourself. How do we start to notice and recognize our hunger in our bodies? Because what happens often when you're a dieter, you ignore your hunger. And then at the end of the day, you're starving and you say you have no self-control. What happens is that when you learn to honor your hunger and feel it and connect with your fullness, it starts to regulate itself naturally. And that was one of the biggest things that I learned to do is that I was no longer counting calories, balancing macros looking at the box on how much I was allowed to eat, learning to give myself permission to eat food, the last supper started to really diminish. Feeling your fullness, honor, coping with your emotions with kindness, respecting your body. Like you said, you know, here I am. I, I know it's going to taste good in my mouth. How do I want to feel? And you have learned to respect your body that you want to feel this way versus that way. Movement that you enjoy versus shrinking your body. So I was a militant exerciser. There was no room for negotiation. I would work out at five in the morning, even if I was going hiking. Fast forward to today, my weekends are filled with hiking with my partner and my dog. I run a couple of times a week because it makes me feel good. I spend a couple of days doing strength training. If I wake up and my hip hurts, I will shift. 
I do things that make me feel good because each different thing gives me a different release of what I need to manage my stress, anxiety, and all of those things. I haven't weighed myself in several years. I have no intention. I focus on the joy. Nutrition comes last because as dieters, it's easy to get back into that, oh, I can only eat this. I can't eat gluten. Like All of a sudden, the rules can, can come back in. Satisfaction is the hub of intuitive eating. It takes all these other principles and it is the core principle. And satisfaction is not just about the food. It is about how you are emotionally, mentally, physically, what is happening in your world. You could go into the best restaurant in the world, but if you're having a fight with your partner, your spouse, your mother, your father, you don't even know what you're tasting. There's no satisfaction. Understanding where you are with your emotions. If you go in and you're starving and you haven't eaten all day, you don't even taste the food. Your body is screaming. You just want to eat it. Understanding what brings satisfaction to you. And what brings satisfaction to me is going to be different than what brings satisfaction to you. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I'm, I'm curious about in this is you use a couple of words that I really, really love that I apply to my own life. One being respect. Um, one and number two being honor. And you said, honor your hunger. And I thought to myself, well, also honor your hunger or in the moments of overeating, honor the truth of the moment that you're in. How do you manage the fear of doing the opposite? Right? Because I think it's one thing to kind of be there and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to honor the fact that I'm hungry. So I'm going to eat, or I'm going to honor the fact that I'm full. So I'm going to stop. But then here's this window of fear because it's unknown. How do you navigate that aspect of this? It, it's scary. I am not going to tell you that it is something that's easy and it takes work and trust to get up there. And it's also knowing that there's a good chance that you're going to make a mistake. And I don't want to use the word failure because you cannot fail this. It is learning to develop that trust and it takes time, patience, practice, and compassion. It is, I would never tell somebody who I meet today, oh, we're going to give yourself permission to eat food. We have a lot of unpacking, a lot of work, learning to even know what those hunger signals and those fullness signals feel like, because often we're so disconnected that we don't know what's taking place during those times. So it's learning to connect to your body. And there's practices that we can use to be able to understand what hunger feels like. It's not just always that tummy, you know, your tummy grumbling. Sometimes it is lack of focus. Sometimes it is your ability to be kind. Sometimes you're, you know, that word hangry. You have no ability to be patient. All of these things are these little tiny signals. And often when those hunger pangs hit in, you're way over the mark. And then we go to, well, I have no self-control. When we learn to be able to feed ourselves, when we learn those early signals of hunger, and that you are allowed to eat. Even if you had breakfast at nine o'clock, you are allowed to have a snack at 10 o'clock. What is your body saying? Or, and noticing, is it the food that, that you need? Or do you need companionship? Do you need to go out and walk in nature? You need sunshine. Learning to understand what it is that you're feeling physically, mentally, and emotionally is when you can start to really give yourself permission to eat. And know that you will eat to overfull because that's how we learn. You cannot fail it. Yeah. And, and you have to have grace, right? Because you're going to like, you're going to screw up. Like I screw up all the time. It's like, yeah, I know exactly where I like my body to be. I know where I want to feel, but there are days where I'm just like, I'm going to eat all freaking day. And it's like, even sometimes it's shocking. I'm like, oh my God, I'm still hungry. I'm still <laughs> eating, but I'm just like, it's fine. 
it's fine. But my, my kind of framework for it has always been, if it's something unhealthy that I'm craving, can I make it as healthy as possible for myself? Right. And that, that's been one of the things that's helped me tremendously. It's that and asking yourself, will it satisfy you? Because often, you know, we will make these snacks. So, you know, I lived on rice cakes and peanut butter and jelly and, you know, more often just jelly because the peanut butter was too many calories. So if it doesn't satisfy you, is your pattern to go from thing to thing to thing to finally get to that thing that will satisfy you? So I am, you know, I, there's absolutely, you know, freedom to decide, you know, is there, you know, something that's going to make you feel better based on whatever is happening? Or is it that diet mentality sneaking in and saying, well, I'm going to have a little bit of this. I'm going to have a little bit of this. And, you know, you really wanted that and you end up there anyway. Yeah. So knowing what that journey looks like from past experiences is really helpful. And, and that's what's so funny, too, because I think about that in terms of whether I'm in the business aspect of coaching or in the personal development side of coaching, the hesitation to do the thing that you know you need to do always becomes the thing. Like, that's the same thing here. Like, if you want that, like, give it to yourself. Like, don't hesitate. Don't take it away because eventually the road always still leaves there because you're sitting here just denying, denying, denying. But the truth is like... And I think that's one of the things that's really, really important about a healing journey in general is if you are willing to give yourself the thing that you know you need to give yourself initially, then you can circumvent all the other bullshit on your way there because you're just going to find out what you need to know anyway. Right. It's Lisa, my friend, Yeah, 100%. Mind drama is a great way to phrase it. And, and you can be in the back and forth of that all day long, or you can just make a decision, right? Lisa, my friend, this conversation has been absolutely incredible. Before I ask you my last question, can you please tell everyone where they can find you? Absolutely. Lisa Dahl, D-A-H-L, wellness.com. Lisa Dahl, wellness.com. Amazing. Of course, we'll put the link in the show notes for the audience. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken? It's an interesting question because when I work with my clients, the first thing that I tell them is that they are not broken and that we are working to heal whatever, what, wherever they have been, that this is a healing journey. This is not a broken journey and that you don't need to be fixed. You just need to learn how to be kind, compassionate, and to heal yourself. And I really work hard at having people understand that they are not broken. Brilliantly said, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show. But I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, for free. If you go to book.thinkunbroken.com, you can download the PDF ebook version of the book and get everything that I know about the baseline of healing trauma for free downloaded to your email right now. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to download your copy of Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma for a PDF for your phone. Again, that is book.thinkunbroken.com.
thinkunbroken.com. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts 
to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.